So you have various kinds of yoga, Hatha yoga being the most common yoga we know in the West, but there's Raja yoga, Jnana yoga, Bhakti yoga, Tantric yoga, Karma yoga, Kriya. Kriya yoga. And each of these yogas work on different levels or different aspects of being a human being. Hatha yoga, of course, works fundamentally on the body and the energies in the body. The idea is that all the yogas eventually lead to meditation. Hatha yoga is a precursor for meditation. Raja yoga is a precursor for meditation. So on and so on. So that also raises a secondary question, which is what is meditation? You know, it's very hard to remember that when you're up to your neck in alligators that your original intention is to drain the swamp. you got alligators all around you, the, the fight, the war, the battle, the relationship it's a really hard time to start practicing awareness training. You, know, you practice awareness training at other times so that when you are up to your neck in alligators, you, now you have the space to see through that. So uh, I'll leave that one there for the moment and come back to these two thoughts that I want to share with you. First of all, the easiest one first is what is meditation? Well, fundamentally, meditation is everything you do, from getting up in the morning to going to the bathroom, to brushing your teeth, to getting your, your breakfast, to uh, sitting in formal meditation, to your job, to your career, to how you speak to your mother on the phone. Are you speaking to your mother on the phone or are you practicing loving-kindness meditation? Are you speaking to your dad on the phone or are you practicing loving-kindness meditation? So what does this word meditation mean? Fundamentally, meditation means the ability to witness what's going on in consciousness while it's going on in consciousness. Now, if you're, say, in a fight and um, you're busy fighting, normally when you're in a fight and you're busy fighting, what are you normally most busily aware of? The other person. The object. The subject that you're fighting about or the thing that you're fighting about or the, or the positionings of the objects in terms of what you're fighting about. You tend not to be aware of your own state. But if you look at your own state, what will you find when you look at yourself fighting? What will you find in your body? Tension. Tension, panting, heat. Um, energy fields are kind of wonky, right? Kind of your, your balance is a little off. I mean, your emotional balance. What about your emotional state? Is it open, closed? closed. Probably closed, tightened down, battened. How do you feel about other? Spiteful. Yeah, kind of spiteful. Hurt, probably, mostly, yeah? Hurt or angry or both. Hurt because they don't agree with you and angry because they're not agreeing with you. Of course, the ideas themselves, which is they're wrong and I'm right, and or this is the way it should be and this is the way it isn't be, or this is fair or this is unfair, or you're being unkind or you're not being unkind and so on and so on. But in that process of actually being in a fight, what are you not doing? Because you're not actually witnessing the state you're in as being more important than the outcome of the fight. I have to repeat that. It's more important to you, the outcome, than the state you're in while you're in it. Which means you're still chasing the mechanical rabbit. Does that make sense to you? If this doesn't make sense to you, the meditation stops right here. If you don't see that the state you're in right now, while you're in a state of anger or in a fight, is more important than the outcome of the fight, you'll always be fighting. Into the future, there'll be more fights coming. You'll still be fighting in 20 years from now about, if not the same things, 
very similar things because the thing that you're not putting foremost in your mind is the state you're in right now. Now, if you put the state you're in right now first, you're meditating. It doesn't mean you have to go, well, I'm not angry. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving. It's om. <laughs> you know, I'm, oh, it's all lovely. You're fantastic. I think you're beautiful. Om. You know, it's, not, it's not that. It's, I like, I'm, I'm angry. I'm pissed. I'm ready to kill. You know, you go, wow, interesting state. And look at the body go. Look at the emotions go. You know, look at the overall feel of it. And you go, wow, this is such a weird thing. This, this is such a weird place. In a sense, you've stepped back, haven't you? You step back from the state you're in to look at what it's like to be in that state. And if you look at that, I think, fairly, would you say you want it or you don't want it? Well, some people actually do want it because it gives them some definition. That has to take us to the next question, which is what is the I? You know, not E-Y-E, but me. What is the me? That's the next question. But in, with this one, what is the meditation? Well, the minute you start doing that in meditation, you go, this state sucks. So what's more important? Convincing him or her that you're right, that they should do it your way, that da-da-da-da-da-da, or to be in a better state. We hope so. We hope that's the decision we make, but how often do we actually make that? Normally we make a different decision, don't we? I'll be spiritual just as soon as you get your shit together. As soon as you admit I'm right, I'll be peaceful. As soon as you stop doing this to piss me off, I will be compassionate. Well, it's very human, but it's also uh, predictive. If I was a gambler, I would put a hundred billion, if I had it, I'd put a hundred billion dollars at one trillion to one odds that if you're not making this decision now in this fight that you're going to be in fights in the future, I'll bet everything I got. It may not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might not be next week, but it's coming because you haven't chosen the clear state over the hate state, which means that the hate state must, by law, come back on the basis of karma. If you haven't stopped the buck here, it's going to come back at you sooner or later for the very same reasons. Because whatever it was that got you bent out of shape in this moment is still there. Meaning that uh, you get rid of this wife, because she's obviously whatever, and then you get this wife, and she's going to bring it back to you too. And what happens usually in second and third marriages is you just learn not to fight about certain things. Because you realize they're not resolved, so you just and they're not going to be, so you just stop dealing with them. As if they're not there. I think the image is the ostrich, isn't it? You just put your head in the sand and, and it's, you know, he's never going to fix, he's never going to understand this one, you know, so I'm just not going to deal with it. But it doesn't mean it's not there still bugging you, does it? Under the surface, tick-tock, tick-tock. Mm-hmm. So meditation then is the process of learning how to observe the state you're in, physically, emotionally, and mentally, without getting all bent out of shape about it, either in the good <laughs> Oh, wow! Oh, fantastic! I love this guy! To the other one, which is... And everything in between. So the meditation practices are uh, basically levers or wedges 
to, to get in between you and your state and get the wedge, the lever in there between you and your state and pry a little in the same way that you did it with yoga to pry the mind and the, and the state apart from each other. So this state of anger, for instance, using anger as the example, if I can pry myself free from that state a little, then I'm in a position to look at its nature, right? I'm also in a position to say, oh, this is good, I like this one. Oh, this is not good, I don't like this one. Or this is a good state, but it's based on really unhealthy foundation. Or this is not a very good state, but I think I'm learning something useful. Does this make sense to you? So now you're in a position to go, okay, it doesn't really matter what state arises. Happy, joyous, peaceful, blissful, so the separation between the mind that's experiencing a state uh, and the state that you're experiencing, good, positive, or neutral, is fundamentally meditation practice. And meditation itself are just different tools that you use in order to get between you and your habitual run-on mind. Now the difficulty with most people is that their minds are habituated. If I take you uh, down to Clear Sky, our meditation center, and I put you in meditation for a week, and I just say, okay, all you have to do is sit there and do nothing for five days. Mm -hmm. You can go for a walk, but don't talk, don't read, don't do any real exercise. I mean, just a little bit of stretching, right? But, you know, just sit there for five days, and, and uh, that's all there's to it. What's going to happen over those five days? Are you going to get restless? Yes. Why? You're not doing anything. Are you going to get angry? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? You're not, no, nobody's doing anything. If you know, in meditation, you start to notice, you can get yourself into all sorts of states for absolutely no good reason. I remember one guy got in a, in a, in a huff for a week because one guy wore his shoes into the kitchen area. And when he walked, he was noisy. In meditation, you're sitting there doing nothing. You think about your mother. Oh, I love my mother. My mother's great. She's fantastic. Then your little picky mind. You know the picky mind? The picky mind starts going on. But she, when I was five... <laughs> and then you, then you find yourself having conversations with people you haven't seen in 30 years. And I'm I should have said... When, I, when he told me, I should have said to him... But remember, in meditation, all you're doing is really nothing. You're just sitting there. You know, I think it was Blaise Pascal, the uh, French writer and philosopher who said all suffering stems from the inability to sit in an empty room and do nothing. And so meditation is not hard to do. All meditation is is that whatever's going on in your mind normally becomes center field. It becomes centered and focused and there's no getting away. Well, you can get away. You can leave the meditation hall. <laughs> right? You can go turn on the TV or read a book or something. But in, in a sense, reading a book or turning on TV is kind of the same process that you have by pretending that everything's okay in your world when underneath you know, there's that base discontent, right? That We talked about the ostrich thing a few minutes ago. So the meditative aspect of it is that you use different kinds of meditation techniques to give you a bit of a halfway house. You know, whether you use mantra or visualization, whatever you use, you use the, that in order to give yourself a rudder as your mind bounces all over the ocean going through its various states. But you do this already. You do it when you get up in the morning, you do it when you go to the kitchen, you do it when you go to the bathroom, you do it when you're at work. You're constantly, constantly in a kind of a self-aware reflection, aren't you? 
about what you're doing and how you're doing it, what's going on. But always in the normal course of events in your day-to-day life, it's always about supporting, developing, promoting, or holding together, or making important what? The me thought. And so the one thought you're not examining while you're busy cooking and going to work and so on and so on, that is a kind of meditation, but the one thought you don't really have any time to examine in that process is the me thought, that which identifies the arisings as me. So in meditation, in meditation retreats, what you're really doing is you're taking all your time and devoting it simply to that one kind of event, the me thing. And so now memories start to flow forth, sensations start to arise, uh, different feelings happen, people say, I'm losing my mind! And you go, are you? Or was it already lost? I mean, you can't lose what you never had. But what you did have was a structure, right? You had work and relationship, and so that gave you a structure. So now you're meditating, you don't have the structure, right? In other words, you're not working and reading books and so on. So now what all you're doing is examining the mind that experiences itself without that particular structure. And without that particular structure, the mind starts to flail like a a swimmer in a uh, in an ocean, right? Looking around for something to kind of hang on to. So the meditation techniques are supposed to be that. Meditation techniques are there to give you something to a life preserver, if you will, in order to get you used to the fact that if you just let go into the ocean, you're not going to drown. But you're afraid you're going to drown without your boat, aren't you? But if you imagine your life as a as a big ocean liner. You know, you got the game room, and you got the dining room, and you got the pool, and you got the sauna, and you got the new age room, and you even have a meditation room up there. And then all of a sudden, this boat sinks out from underneath you, and you're in the ocean. Your fear is you're going to drown, right? Okay, so let's say for a minute that meditation is the ocean, and the boat is your ego. And in fact, the reason the boat even floats is because it's on the ocean. So the ocean isn't inherently dangerous from the point of view of the metaphor. If you manage to get, okay, I'm going to get off the boat and jump in the ocean. Most people are going to consider you to be what? Insane. Insane. So first of all, most people consider meditation crazy. Two, if you're going to jump in the ocean, you are going to? Drown. Drown. I don't know anybody yet who's died meditating. (laughs) Unless they were already going to die before they started meditating. You know what I mean? I know people have died in meditation, but they're about to die anyway. And as far as I know, nobody's actually lost their mind while meditating. I know a lot of people who were losing their mind before they started meditating, and it didn't help. But you don't actually lose your mind while meditating. In fact, what you mostly find when you meditate is you, is you can't find your mind. And, and that mind mostly focused around this boat. Now, once you jump out of the boat, the, f- the only thing you want to do, if you're kind of got your life and you go to a meditation retreat and you jump out into the water, the first thing you want to do is get back in the boat. Yet when you were on the boat, all you were doing was complaining about it. Well, I love my work, I don't like my job, but there's not enough money, I'm getting old, my body, my brain, so on. So by jumping in the water, what happens is uh, it's a little disconcerting at first, so we introduce different meditation techniques to give you a sense of order to give you a sense of structure until you get used to being in the water. In another kind of meditation, we just remove the life preserver. And you find out that you were, after all, a dolphin. Or pick your favorite creature. <laughs> and all this time, you thought you were a person. <laughs> I, I don't even know whether I'm following my metaphors at this point. 
For more information, please visit clearskycenter.org. That's C-L-E-A-R-S-K-Y-C-E-N-T-E-R.org. Thank you.